Welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast where you'll hear from the world's most innovative general counsel and their leadership teams for their insights into the running of a Fortune 500 in-house legal department. The challenges, the wins, the roadblocks, the journey to date, and most importantly, what lies ahead. Let's get into the show. Hello and welcome to Innovative Legal Leadership, the podcast dedicated to exploring the world of innovative in-house legal teams and trailblazers in the field of legal leadership. I'm your host, Cynthia Loren, and today we are joined by Greg McConnell, Global Director of Legal Operations and Innovation at Corteva AgriScience, an American agricultural chemical and seed company formed in 2019 as a result of the merger between Dow Chemicals and DuPont's respective agricultural division. Corteva is headquartered in Wilmington, Delaware, United States, and operates in over 140 countries worldwide, with a significant presence in North America, Latin America, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, and Asia Pacific. Greg is a highly accomplished leader with a 25-year track record of building, transforming, and driving legal operations. So Greg, welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you here. Thanks, Cynthia. It's, It's great to be here. Awesome. Greg, let's dive straight into your incredible story because I'm so excited for you to share this with our audience. So building legal operations from scratch at Corteva sounds like a pretty intriguing and difficult challenge. Can you share with us what specifically attracted you to the opportunity and how the company's culture and mission has played a role in you being excited to to be part of the, the company's journey? Yeah, as you get to know me, I, I, I like a challenge. Sometimes I take on impossible challenges or what people would think are impossible. That That's kind of what I got myself into when I was really thinking of uh, Corteva is a whole new challenge. It was an opportunity to step into an organization that was really, it was a startup, but it was a was coming out of a massive company. So Dow DuPont had, had agreed like 18 months before to merge with the knowledge that they were going to spin off into three companies. And one of those companies was going to be all about agriculture. And that was Corteva. And it's really that challenge that I went into. But when I went into the challenge, it was really, you get to build it all from scratch. Like there is no set reason. There, there's, there's no known technology. Everything that was in the old systems wasn't coming over. And it you'd have to migrate. So I, I guess that challenge was intriguing to me to be able to build it from scratch, but also you got into that, you have four months from to put in an e-billing matter management and document management system. And that is a challenge. <laughs> I still remember the day that I decided, you know, I've been at Cardinal Health for about 11 years and thought, you know, it's time for me to look and see new challenges, new opportunities. And I I remember updating my resume on LinkedIn and thinking, wow, I have an eclectic background. You know, I've got accounting, I've got technology, procurement sourcing, contract management. I've run my own businesses before. And it's like, you know, what what kind of interesting things am I going to get into? And I really did want to focus in the legal operations. Back then, like five years ago, it wasn't something that was well known. Like it was just really starting to form. And I thought, it's an opportunity to go out there. And I remember I posted that and the next morning I had a phone call and it was, hey, can you come over and meet with these the people from Dow DuPont on their Corteva? And I thought, wow, they're looking at all my skills and they want a unicorn. 
They want a unicorn that has a background that, and they wanted to use every single skill that I had. And, you know, while that challenge fascinated me and, you know, with the companies coming together, it was, you know, building that legal operations and having that ability to put your stand, your imprint on the people, the process, the technologies that you're going to use was a great challenge, but it's, you know, You've always seen how other things were done and all the other systems, but this time it's all on your shoulders. You you have to make the decisions and put the things in place. And I, you know, that all got me to the table, but I would tell you that the thing that landed me was the culture. The culture, the mission, the people, those were key to me. Like for me, strong diversity and, and inclusion culture is absolutely a must. And I look at, I, I don't want to go somewhere I can't be 100% my authentic self. And I remember having that conversation with Tom Warnock. He, he, he was the head of litigation. and His answers and his affirmative responses are what locked the deal for me to come over. Wow. wow. That, I mean, that's huge because obviously I've, I've recently had a conversation with, with Tom about the work that he's doing at Corteva. And we actually interviewed your GC, Cornell, a few months ago now, a few weeks back. And I know that one of the things that he chatted to Jim about was, you know, just the significance of working in an industry that's making a difference and trying to solve a big problem, feeding the world. You know, this is this is a you know a very significant thing. So how does having that mission at the heart of what you do impact the way that you work individually and also the way that you work with the team? It's it's really everything. You're working to do your part for the greater good. It drives you from another from a different background. Like what I'm doing, it may seem like it's only for simplifying and making it legal more efficient, but what we're really doing is every dollar that you're not spending somewhere else, you're putting into R&D or you're putting in delivering a solution to a farmer and, and enabling them to produce more higher quality food, making it more sustainable for them, more environmental. So you're, you're really driving to the heart of, of what is absolutely foundational for survival. And and I don't know. I mean, the the problem's much bigger than people realize. As you're looking at, it's getting more complicated every day. You're expected to get more out of um, your crops. You're expected to um, produce more. The population's growing. Climate impacts are happening. And how do you produce more with less land and less water? Uh, it, that's what it's really all about. Yeah, doing doing less with more. I mean, which is not just a theme in terms of agri and food, but I mean, with a, within a corporate legal department, right? Doing less with more. Absolutely, that, that's what we look at every day. It's like legal gets. How do we, you know? Our goal is how do you get the most out of your resources, whether that be the people, because you have talented people. You need to use them for the things that they're they're best at, and not bog them down with things that they shouldn't be working on. You know, you're getting the most out of your budgets. You get a budget, you're working with vendors. How do you get the most out of everything? And that's really what legal operations is all about, is driving that initiative to free up your teams, get them either, you know, give them a little more work-life balance, as that's a tough thing to do nowadays with attorneys. But to give them back some of that, you know, they need time to innovate and think too. But to also remove those less important tasks, let's drive them back to where they should be. Free up the business to be able to get 
things quicker and faster. Everything we're doing is driving things quicker into the process and getting things to where we need to be. Yeah. I'd love to pull on that thread a little bit more just about the role of legal ops. So one of my favorite topics, and it's something that I'm going to be speaking on a panel about next month, is this relationship between GCs and legal operational professionals. And obviously you and Cornell have a fantastic relationship. I know that you get caught, you know, you get called out all the time for just the great work that you do. Same with Tom. So what is the secret sauce, Greg, in terms of making it work? How do you have a successful relationship, you know, that is effective across the legal department between general counsel and and a legal operations professional? That's a tough one. It's really about building a partnership with them. And it's really understanding what is it that drives them and what do they need? I look at it all the time of trying to anticipate what Cornell's going to want before he asks for it. And that's a tough one sometimes. You've met him. He's great. Like, probably the biggest benefit to a legal ops leader is having someone in the GC role that completely understands technology, drives it, and pushes the boundaries of artificial intelligence and everything. And that's what I have. So he's like secret weapon. He gets it and he pushes it. He pushes it more than I can actually deliver sometimes, but but, but we work that out. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's great. That's great to hear. And I think it's really important to be able to just sort of touch on what it is that works within a GC, because quite often that relationship doesn't work. And I think, you know, it's having someone that understands the the value that you can bring um, and that has an openness to that, um, which is fantastic. Um, I want to talk a little bit about sort of your focus on building partnerships. I know you're, you know, one of the things that you've spoken about a number of times is sort of vendors that act as true partners. And this is a question that I like putting to heads of legal ops. So how do you figure that out? You know, what is the criteria for identifying and then selecting someone who's going to be a true partner to you and also to the business? So for me, when I look at a supplier or vendor, it's someone that goes beyond the normal support. It's that someone that has your back. It's the person that, if you're in a boat, they're getting in the boat with you and making it move. And that's what I'm looking for. You know, when I got to Corteva, I made a decision to choose a different direction than where the Dow and the DuPont spinoffs were going. They had picked an e-billing and matter management system. And I came in and said, I remember talking to Tom going, I want to make it, do I have the right to make a change? And he said, you do, but why? And I said, well, because you're going to, I need a platform that I can build on for the future. I need stuff that's going to not be irrelevant in a short period of time. I need to get better value out of it. And I want something that I know that the people will deliver for me. And he said, well, you know, it's your call. So, which, which to me means, you're accountable. It's your head. <laughs> and we joke about that sometimes. Like, But I made that decision and I switched directions on where we were going with the matter management and e-billing system. And, and I remember calling up the partner going, okay, this is it. We're going to do this, but I need you to be, you know, you've got to be in the boat with me. This is a must pull off. Like, this is my reputation. My head's on the line with this. Like, Everything from the future is built on what we delivered this time. And that 
was I got a team that was phenomenal at that. They got in that boat, they delivered, they went through and you know, we built strong collaborations. We were in meetings and working numerous hours in such a short period of time. But we built a strong bond with that. It it's not it's a bond that we call it family time when we have meetings now because it it's that we know about each other's personalities, we know about our families. We built that true partnership that you that you really need to have if you want to deliver at a very high level. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think one of the ways that it's been described is almost as having your vendors as a, as an extension of your team, you know, so it feels like they really are family. And just within that, I know that when I, when I used to work in law firms, one of the things that I used to, so I used to head business development at law firms, and I used to see my role as being the information conduit and the interpreter between what my lawyers were doing and what our clients wanted. And I know in the same vein, as a head of legal ops, you kind of describe this role as being a bit of the interpreter and the translator between legal and the rest of the business. I'm curious just to sort of understand how you do that. How do you build bridges? So I know on the one hand, you're building bridges outside to your vendors, but then how are you building those relationships across the varying departments within Corteva? Yeah, and that is really key. You're right. Any legal ops person out there will probably say they've gotten labeled the translator or interpreter. And they can attest to, you have to wear a lot of hats and you have to think like all the other teams. So a lot for me is put yourself in someone else's shoes. But I remember going into those meetings and I would literally sit in a meeting, the IT team would talk about how, what we needed to deliver something. And the legal team would look at me and go, what in the world did they just say? Like, I have no idea what they're talking about. Make it make sense. <laughs> Not that both teams are super intelligent. It's two. It's really two different languages. And if you can step in between those lines and, and get an understanding, you can deliver results for them so that you can put them together and let, let each one of them understand what the other one's talking about. But for me, it was, I take it back to analogies. So I, I remember one of them was talking about total cost of ownership for a legal application. And I was like, it's kind of, my, my analogy is take it back to the very basics to something everybody does every day. It's a refrigerator. Like you buy a refrigerator, but it doesn't do everything by itself. Like you've got to build and implement it. You've got to, you got to buy it. You got to get it delivered, unpack it, hook it up, turn on the power. <laughs> You also have run and maintain. So when you buy it, it's just not done. There's run and maintain costs. There's like, somebody's got to clean it, order the food for it, load it. it. There's all this other stuff that has to happen. And, you know, that that refrigerator, it's not going to make dinner for you. Like, that's the ultimate. You want dinner, right? But it can't d deliver that. It It's a part of the process. And so it's really explaining that into those kind of terms. Now, I may have to take my analogy back because with the AI technology coming now, it might make dinner for you. I'd, I'd love you to share, Greg, just like for a, le a head of, well, let's say a legal operations person, professional, who is just starting out on their journey and they want to understand how do I build those bridges like in really practical ways with other departments. Are there things that you've done? Is it because you've had a background or do you physically go sit with 
the IT team or, you know, the commercial team? What what tips can you give us? Yeah. So for me, my background in history, I've been in IT, I've been in procurement and finance, I've done light HR. So I've also run my own business. So I kind of understood the whole the whole circle of process. But it's really just going and connecting with those individuals. Like we have business partners for each of those groups. It's really sitting down with them and getting to know them. Like we would have strategy sessions for where do we want to take the legal team? And we would include our IT business partner and really talk through it so they could show me what what they might have in their systems that they could help us with to give them a full understanding of our all of legal and how it works. You're educating them and they're educating you at the exact same time. It's it's really being willing to go over and be vulnerable and let people I don't know everything. So letting them explain some of that to me, but also being willing to share all your information as well, it starts to build that bond. And that's that's really what I, I work on. It's like with the finance team, the HR team, the IT team, we're doing that. But I don't look at just like that. I look beyond that. We've talked about our disruptors out in the networks. Like when I, when I look for a partner in general, like when I say they're partners, I look for disruptors too. And it's that disruption. So I'll look at my legal law firms. They have legal ops teams. They're also trying to do that too. So we'll look at that or I'll go back to my disruptors like pursuit. I consider pursuit a disruptor. Where are they, you know, building that partnership with them. They have a lot of knowledge out in the systems too. Bringing sourcing to the legal team. That's amazing. Like Legal teams don't like to do a lot of sourcing. They think that, you know, we just have those law firms and here we are and that's all there is to do. But there's a lot. There's tools and technologies and stuff that need to go through that process. When I'm talking about those partnerships, it's not internal and external. It's also looking for the disruptors that want to do things differently. Um, and and I, I shout out to Pursuit because, one, you've got kill the billable hour. I mean, that that's phenomenal. That That's a disruptor. You're talking about um, that great customer service that you get. You're talking about getting in the boat with people. You're doing the same thing internal when you're talking without the internal teams is who's going to come along? Who's going to be a disruptor? The way we have our partnership with IT is completely different than anything I've ever done anywhere else. Our IT team is willing to flex and do things that are really in the legal ops space and we're willing to do stuff in the IT space when needed. And so we don't get a lot of resources. So we're able to flex back and forth to assist each other. And so it's back to my theme of getting back, getting in the boat with each other. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Well, thank you for the shout out. I mean, we 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 love to be disruptive in a good way, in a positive way. And, it, and it's great to, to hear that you feel that from us and that you consider us to be a true partner. It's awesome. That's absolutely key to when I pick partnerships. I, I don't know if I expressed that, but when I look at partnerships, I'm looking for a company that's a disruptor, that does great customer service, that's dependable and reliable. But also I, I look at like the sales guy doesn't run away. I still know everybody I've ever talked to at the companies that I have the best partnerships with. It, it That makes a significant difference in the process. That's great. That's great. Greg, I know you, you touched on the impact of AI and I'm glad, I'm glad you raised it. I think that, you know, the, the, the season that we're in, it's impossible to have a conversation like this without talking about AI. I want to just get from you or understand from you Corteva's focus in this space, 
How are you using it? What are you thinking about? How are you getting the team to lean in? Is it a challenge? I mean, I imagine with a leader like Cornell, probably not, but talk to us, talk to us a bit more about that. There's always challenges in the process. But for us, the AI journey, I really look at as being, I consider them the gateway to AI. They're kind of like, getting into a chatbot is the first thing that we did. It was the first big step. And I am going to tell you right off the bat, I was a total skeptic. I did not believe that chatbots were going to work. I didn't think someone's going to want to interact with this chatbot. And I'm going to eat all my words. <laughs> because we've deployed five chatbots. And, and, and I'm proud to say I was wrong. The key is I wasn't afraid to try it. I had a partnership with IT that said, just try this. We'll cover some of the costs. Let's do this and see if it'll work. They had only six chatbots now, or maybe seven now, at Corteva, and five of them are sitting in the legal space. So unlike normal legal teams, we are getting the reputation for being a leader, someone that wants to drive change and is willing to take on AI and technology initiatives. But so, so we started that process, and I can tell you when we did it, I thought, okay, let's see what happens. Within the first day or two, 50% of the emails that went into the legal ops team disappeared. People could get, you know, we were running more than a thousand emails a week at that time, but we could drop that significantly and people were getting answers quicker. There was less interaction, which good and bad. I mean, we like to talk to people, but not at the volume that we were probably talking to people at the beginning. But it, and we also took the initiative to say, look, if you go and try the chatbot, then we will prioritize your question. Because at the end of the chatbot, if it can't answer the question, it sends it into the legal ops team. And we can tell that it's coming in from the chatbot. So those go into the front of the line, because you've tried. You've tried to get an answer that was quicker and easier. And so, you know, we built that out. And it's really, it's, it's the evolution, because you had to figure out um, what are the frequently asked questions? So literally, we would put stuff into buckets and say, okay, these are frequently asked questions coming in. But some of the answers to these weren't on paper. They weren't in someone's files. They were in people's heads. And so we had to figure out, how do you get that out, put it into a concise format, and build what will become the future for us, like that repository of data, as we get to that next evolution. So I can tell you, we have those five chatbots, but I look at where do we go next? And the GPT technology that's coming out today is insane. It's creative. It's really driving massive change. But we're building, we're going to take that technology again, partnering with our IT team. And we're saying, let's take some of our chatbots and turn them into chat GPT, like technology, internal, not external to the world. But I won't need so many chatbots because now a single chatbot can interact with you in various topics, you know, from records management, which we have one for, to ethics and compliance, answering, you know, what's ethical and not, what's a violation. It, those things are sometimes hard to find in policies and procedures. And now to be able to just chat with a chatbot and get your answer rather quickly and, you know, Legal, we're, we're working on uh, upgrades to some of ours that are, how do you onboard an employee into the legal department? You know, there's lots of people that need to know they're here. There's lots of people that, you know, trainings they need to get. We need to 
first data form, get them access to things so that when they start day one, they're efficient and effective. So those are just some of them. Like we've, we've done one that's external for suppliers to say, hey, suppliers ask a lot of questions. They get an invoice, they get payments, they don't know what invoices they're for. How do we interact with them to take that noise out of our process so we can work on bigger things? So, so I know that you have, I mean, it, it's interesting to hear the way you're using these chatbots. Do they focus on entirely different things? Like I know you call them slightly different things and they have different functions. Can you maybe call out some of the names and tell us what they do? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll give you the name. So we had a little fun. So we, we actually made them very personable. So we, we gave them names like Lisa. Lisa stands for Legal Intelligence Service Assistant. So Lisa answers questions for the legal department itself. You know, maybe they want to know if a vendor's set up or they want to know if, you know, how to onboard somebody, which is the new capability of it. We also built Eva. Eva is ethics and compliance virtual assistant. So answering those ethics questions, gift policies, going through that data of policies and being able to answer questions, that one's for the greater employees to be able to interact with. You've got Reva. Reva does records and records intelligent virtual assistant. So Reva answers questions on records management. How, what's the retention policy? How do I get it? If you've ever looked at a retention policy in a company, they can be cumbersome and look scary because there's a lot of lines. This is trying to get at that so that we can answer quick questions. We've done SIVA. So SIVA, um, is supplier intelligent virtual assistant. This one is the one unusual one from the group. And then it sits external to Corteva and answers questions from our supplier, interacting both with our matter management e-billing system and our financial systems to give them accurate answers. And then we, our last one, which is Levi, is um, legal entity virtual assistant. And Levi, Levi is all the legal entities who can sign off on stuff all over the world. So. This is, again, for the greater company, really looking at that capability. I love the creativity. I love the fact that you're using them in this way. I mean, it sounds super fun. <laughs> Branding, like we worked with some of our teams to make sure that each one of them had a personality and had a picture so that it felt like a real person, even though we know it's not a real person. But we, we wanted to start that out. And when you build that first chatbot, they're not going to be dynamic like the chat GPTs today, they're going to be more listing, like, how can I help you? What subject would you like to talk about? So that's where we start. But that really does hone in your skills to how do I get to a chat GPT type technology that gives them the right answers to this data? Yeah, no, fantastic job. Greg, when I spoke to Tom earlier this week, one of the questions that I put to him was, how do you stay on top of developments in AI? And how do you know what's good? And his answer was, I look to Greg. So my question to you, <laughs> Greg, how do you stay on top of, I mean, not just AI, broadly changes in the industry, what's happening in the legal ops space? What are your go-to resources? No, I'm just <laughs> no I, look, I have Cornell. He, he is an asset to me because if I haven't read it, he's read it and he's going to send it to me and let me know that there's something new coming. But I mean, he's just one of the sources. I, I look at our partnerships that we've built, like our IT team, they're going to see stuff that's coming with ChatGPT and how are we bringing it internal? So they're really experienced at that and telling me, but our preferred law firms. Uh, we have legal ops 
or innovation teams in all of our law firms. And our four panel law firms, we work with them considerably. So they, we actually hold like every six months, we'll meet with that legal ops grouping between all the law firms and us. And really, they have a breadth of knowledge. They're also trying to solve this on a much bigger scale at times because they're working with lots of clients. But our, our technology and solutions providers, the pursuits, the, the onets of systems, like all of those have a wealth of knowledge that they can access. But I also look at what AI news can I get? So like if you have a Bloomberg feed and you can hone it in on AI and technology or legal ops, some of the CLEs that we put on from our, with our law firms or the legal operations conferences. They've been phenomenal in that you get to see a breadth of everything that's going on and you can just kind of delve yourself into the, the newest and latest, greatest things that are coming out. I've connected with people that um, have been in the industry or leading new businesses that we just have always stayed in touch and they're on that leading edge of technology. So I want to make sure that I, I hear from them all the time and follow up with them maybe once a month or every other month. Hey, I'll plug you. I listen to great podcasts like the one here that we're on today. With Fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, j- jump into AI or on the chat GPT train that's out there. Uh, don't be afraid of it. Like I, I talk to people all the time. I actually talked with our legal team and showed them how to use chat GPT just as it came out. And what I did is I didn't restrain everything, but I, you know, when it's out there and it's the whole environment, I gave them just one guideline. If you don't mind whatever you're putting into it is on a billboard tomorrow in the downtown, then feel free. You can ask it whatever you want and put in whatever you want. But if it's going to expose you to information, proprietary, intellectual property, like, don't put it there. <laughs> don't ask that question. But you can use it for other things. It really showed them how to use some of that technology. Yeah, no, that's great. Do you encourage them to... Are they allowed to use it? Is, is it permitted to be used within Corteva right now? It, it is. And it, we didn't put a lot of restrictions on it except to tell them, look, take some smart advice. Don't pull what some of the other companies did and load some of your intellectual property data or maybe your special coding or something super secret. But you can come out and ask lots of questions. I, I've used it a ton for building uh, presentations. Like, I need to do one. It doesn't give me the exact answer. It's going to give me an outline that I can start with. It probably would have taken me three hours to get to that point. And now I can hone it. And I will make sure that it's real stuff. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Greg, I know that you are super passionate about this industry. I mean, it's it's evident in the work that you're doing and just in the way that you operate. And also just, to be honest, the way the team talks about you. What for you is exciting about the legal ops space? Like, what do you see as being on the horizon um, for you personally and broadly for the industry? Broadly for the industry, it was always new technology coming out, but until the last six to 12 months, I, it is insane. Like, it's it's exciting. Uh, so a lot of people are spooked by AI and chat GPTs and this technology rolling. It is changing everything that we're doing in rapidly. And so for me, it's exciting. Like watching this, this is the stuff like when you were a kid, you saw the the high tech stuff or, you know, Skynet taking over. But I look at it as like, it's an exciting time because you're 
you're seeing things change dramatically, taking away the tasks that nobody wants to do and maybe automating them. It's, it's elevating the capabilities of all the individuals in the process. And it's just changing every single system that you're out there working on. It's really going to become information overload is what's going to happen now. Like, think of a contract management system. You, in the past, if you wanted to go and find data in it, you had to make sure it was a field so that you could, like, search a field and find out, you know, can I do or what's the law in this, you know, what governing law do I have for this agreement? Now, this kind of technology that's out, like, it's starting to break down that barrier. Do you really need fields? Because it's reading everything. It's reading and honing that data. So you can get things out of agreements that you really didn't pull, you know, you didn't pull the data out and, and make it so that you could report on it. You can just report on it. And that's a whole new dynamic of how to think about it. it it's going to make the legal ops teams become really focused on a couple things. You got to be really good at project management. It's going to become how do you deliver more in less time? You're going to have. It's going to be crucial to understand and deliver good change management. It's an evolution still to me to this day. Like you, you have to bring people along on the ride. You've got to show them how it's going to change, why it's going to change, how it's going to be better for them in the end. Show them where we're going, and but bring them along on the trip so that they can ask those questions all along the way. So. That's going to be the, the key to making your legal team dynamic is really bringing them along in that change management. But it's going to make our ops teams be super good at that, to be able to deliver that. And, and when I look at that, you know, the change management, the project management, really set the right expectations. Every time I roll something out, I tell everybody right off the bat, look, it is not going to be 100% perfect day one. It just... It, it can't be. There's going to be something that we didn't expect. There's going to be a, something we're going to adjust. What I can guarantee you is we're going to fix it and it will be better. And we're going to get to that future state and that we're going to continuously improve it as long as they give that feedback. For me, when I've done some of those, and I might've gotten slightly off topic, but when, when I really talk about how do you make those lasting change, find the most resistant people and bring them on board. You're going to struggle with it and you're going to think this, oh, I don't want to do this. Um, they are the people that are going to be the most rewarding and you're going to get the most rewarding moments out of. When you bring them along and they start touting and praising what you've done, it's like a mic drop moment. I, I'm done. Like I, I have accomplished everything by getting that person to go from hating technology to loving it, like taking them through that. It's it's gratifying to the legal ops person to do. And make sure, you know, if, if you're looking at that and you're trying to put in those projects, really get to the requirements. It's the hardest thing. Nobody ever wants to give you the requirements. Ask a lot of the why questions. What do you need it for? And really dig into it because there's something there. There's a problem. There's an issue. There's something that they're trying to resolve. And if you can put those down on paper, you'll find the right tools and source processes and et cetera from that. Great. I mean, so many great shares in there, Greg, and I, I could literally talk to you all day. I have two more questions that I want to throw at you. One is on behalf of 
the legal ops community. And one is just because I'm nosy and I like asking my guests this. So the first penultimate question for someone who's listening to you on this podcast and thinking, I want to do that. You know, I want to do that job. I want to do that role. Either they're already in legal, maybe they're a lawyer, maybe they're a GC. They just want to do something different. You know, they're attracted to this industry and the kind of work that you're doing. How would you advise someone to get started? Like, I know everybody comes at it from very different trajectories, but what would be your advice for, for someone who is looking at getting started in legal ops? Yeah, it it would really be not being, you know, get involved, take the chance. It, for us, you know, if, if I had to look back and tell myself something from the past, I would be like, hey, you need to get uncomfortable. It's not going to be comfortable sometimes. Take a leap of faith into it, but gain knowledge. Like, for legal operations, it's really you need to know knowledge of how does a, the full business run. You need to know financials. How, how do I track the financials? How do I make it easy for the common person or or anybody that doesn't love financials <laughs> to understand them? And that's a big goal for me. Like, um, so so you have to work with your financing and, and really understand the financials. You've got to understand how technology works. You don't have to be a programmer or a developer. Understanding how some of it's done with today's capabilities and how databases work really gives you an advantage because now you can fundamentally see how how things have to work, how you have to get data. Being able to be open and honest with people and just have a conversation, be friendly, those are keys. I would tell you contract management has been beneficial to me because it gave me from way back when I was at uh, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, it gave me that opportunity to see contract management crossed across a lot of lines. You're really working with legal, you're working with procurement and sourcing, you're, you're working with finance to deliver it. So having that knowledge of how the contracts work, who's managing them, who's creating them, that really gives you a strong foundation in this space. Mm, fantastic. Really great advice there. Thank you. Final question because I love to ask all my guests this, what advice would you give 25-year-old Greg? <laughs> I was going to say, run! <laughs> <laughs> now, I would say, honestly, there's a couple things I would say. I, I already said one of them, and that's don't be afraid to get uncomfortable. Be vulnerable. That sounds funny, but let people see who you are. Be, always be your authentic self. If you're not being your authentic self or the environment is not, you know, enabling you to be your authentic self, then it's not the right environment. Always be inquisitive. Uh, you know, you always want to learn. I always want to learn. I will get on things and learn a lot from all of our different providers and some that aren't just to learn what's going on in new capabilities out there. So that inquisitive mind is helpful. As I said, be you, just be you. Look for things from other people's perspective. I try to put myself in the shoes of someone else all the time. It might get me in trouble at home, but that, that's beside the point. <laughs> but I really do. I try to put myself in someone else's shoes and say, you know, what is it from their perspective? Whether that's a finance person, uh, Cornell, and like, what is he looking for? He doesn't want to, or, or Tom, like, what does he need for litigation? Like, what would I want in that situation if I were stuck in there? So that's a key. And then listening, you know, key to everything is listening. I listen 
I don't always comment right away in meetings. It's part of it is because I'm absorbing all the information. And I, I sometimes maybe wait a little too long before I talk, but I really do want to understand the full gambit of the whole conversation and both sides of the argument, or maybe there's three or four sides. Don't be intimidated. When I first started working in legal ops, especially J or at Cardinal Health, I remember one of the leaders, she's now the GC, saying to me, you do not back down. Like, you hold your ground with the attorneys. You make them feel you're exactly on the same playing field as they are. And I'm like, I am. I have a different perspective and a whole different knowledge base. So I don't have that. I don't get intimidated by it. I used to get intimidated way back when, but I don't anymore. And that was probably a, a big key for me in changing. Fantastic. I love every, every single one of them. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been great having you on today's show. I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion and I know our audience is going to derive a huge amount of value just from your insights, your advice, your experiences. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for having me. Thank you listeners for tuning into the show. For more please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please connect with me, Jim, the host of the show, via email, jim at pursuit, P-E-R-S-U-I-T dot com. We'd love to hear from you.